hot in here and you guys, I cannot wait to have this lady tell us all of the good deets for today. Okay, so I have Dr. Fane Fry, who is a board certified dermatologist. She has her own book where she talks about skincare. She's been on every platform talking, <laughs> talking about how you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to have great skin. I'll save some of it for later. So uh, let's first just welcome Dr. Fry to the show. So welcome, Dr. Fry. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's fun to be here. Yes, yes. So I know that you do a lot of things, especially for older women, but I know that good skin care and a skin, good skin care routine is supposed to start young. I wish my mama had told me that, Dr. Fry. <laughs> Now, now I'm, I'm middle aged trying to do catch up and, and, and get rid of all these wrinkles and stuff. So can you tell us kind of what your whole mission is and what you're trying to educate people on? Uh, sure. Um, I have, um, first of all, I love the skincare industry. Holly, it's a great industry. It makes really great products, products that are good for you. Uh, moisturizers, um, sunscreens cleansers. Uh, but what I've learned after decades of, of studying uh, skincare ingredients and, and with my chemistry knowledge, understanding the skincare ingredient listing is that skincare companies, as great as the products are that they make, they advocate for their shareholders. And the mm -hmm. consumer, unfortunately, doesn't understand the most important information on any skincare product, which is that ingredient listing, right? So the brightest of my patients don't understand triethanolamine and isopropyl myristate and propylene glycol. They don't know what's in those products. You too, right? <laughs> Me too. Right? So, Ditto. <laughs> so how do people pick, right? We base it on celebrities. We base it on a good ad in the magazine or maybe what your friend tells you. And so we have a great industry making good products, advocating for their shareholders, and nobody's advocating for the consumer. I don't sell anything. I don't work for a skincare company. I have leveraged my 30 years as a dermatologist, my chemistry background, and my objective testing. I actually test products in the office, how well they work with a machine. And so I put all this together and, and, and we wrote the skincare hoax, again, to be a, an, an advocate for the consumer. Wow. Okay. So uh, like I said, I definitely am part of that group as well. And, and it's so funny because I just had an appointment. I went to, I'm, I'm so sick of just the, the normal, I told you guys, I'm going to get, get all of the deets for us today. So <laughs> I'm so sick of the normal, they, they keep saying the normal signs of aging, right? I'm so sick of this freaking saying that they have, I don't want the slogan, I, the slogan. I'm tired of hearing the normal signs of aging. So I go to, to the, the, uh, esthetician and I'm always like, okay, I need this to go away. I hate this droopiness. I hate this. She's like, oh, we'll put some Botox there or do this or do that or do, you know, or you need some brightening cream. You need this. So give us some insight into <laughs> whenever people like me come in your office with these normal signs of aging, what are some of the common questions or concerns that you see or that you deal with that you're giving advice on? Because I know it's got to be more than just me out here. Well, first of all, we needed a, a reality check. Uh, first of all, you're gorgeous. 
you're a gorgeous person. <laughs> you're accomplished. You're giving, you're kind, you're all the good things. And we have a culture that defines beauty as tall, thin, mm -hmm. and young. And that's number one. And that is unobtainable for most and unreasonable for most because skin, and I can tell you this after studying it and working with skin, I don't care what your skin tone is for, for decades, skin is imperfect. It will always have flaws. It will always have imperfections. And you should know this and all your audience should know this. Women in particular, but men too, we shouldn't define ourselves by those imperfections. Mm -hmm. So that's the big picture. Now, with that being said, aging is an interesting phenom, right? It's, it's a process. Our culture has turned it into a battle. It's not a battle. It's a process. And there's two kinds of aging. There's the aging that happens just because you get older. You know, you get changes in your skin just because the days are ticking by. And then we have those signs of aging, which are actually not really caused by mother nature and by the hands of time, but by things that we can preventable causes like sun, like sunlight, like ultraviolet light. So pigmentation, irregular pigmentation, coarse wrinkling, a lot of the difference in skin, uh, the skin flaws has more to do with exposure to sun. And if a, a woman in particular looks at unexposed skin in, in private areas or, or, uh, and compares that say to exposed skin, you'll see a huge difference. And that skin is the same age. So again, prevention is a, a, you know, worth a pound, of, a pound of cure, which is why I always say sunscreen, the most, basic, the most basic skincare product that everybody should be using, regardless of your skin tone, is, is sunscreen, because that will prevent those wrinkles and the pigment damage and blood vessels, things that you're getting from the sun, which we can protect ourselves from. So I think a realistic expectation is first and foremost, understanding that aging is a is a process not a battle and that we really do need a little self-adjustment as to like what how we value ourselves and i understand people want to look their best and i think it's great to take pride in how you look but i've never seen an 80 year old look 60 despite injections despite creams i've never seen a 60 year old look 40. i've never seen a 40 year old look 20. it's just not doable so, and I've seen women do all kinds of things. They do injectables, they do um, all kinds of expensive creams. Um, and again, this is my opinion. I don't think you look younger. I think you look different. You know, an expressionless forehead mm. is not a young forehead. Yeah, because Dr. Fry, I've been trying to look 20 for, for quite some time and it ain't coming back. <laughs> I'm like, it ain't coming back. <laughs> we need a little attitude adjustment, that's all. And when it comes to skincare, a great industry, we can talk a little bit about what we can expect from some of these products if you'd like. Um, but I really think that's um, something that consumers need to think about. Hmm. And I also, I have a very funny story. I just wanted to, to just kind of sidebar on what you said. So I remember mm, 15 years ago going to, my sister lived in Orange Beach, Alabama. So she lived on a, a a beach city down in the southern coast and so uh, it's the border of Florida and Alabama and so they would always make fun of me because they would be tanning and you know they, I, I always say and, and again you guys Dr. Fry is in Boston so she may not know what a crawfish is but <laughs> I would say she was like a crawfish which is equivalent to a like a oversized lobster right so they would make fun of me because I would have my big old glasses. I would have my SPF 180,000, whatever it was. And I would be under the umbrella. And so fast forward, 
to 15 years later, I remember I'm in the doctor's office with my niece who is only one year older than me. And the nurse practitioner walks in and she's like, oh, hi. She's like, is this your mom? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, and I go, yes, this is my mom. This is my mom. And my niece is like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, remember when I told you guys, you better put your big glasses on and sure. <laughs> sit under the shade. So I wanted to all use that as a funny story, but I do know that there is a lot of data that's very confusing about sunscreen. And, and so some people feel, especially the, the, um, the sunscreen for your, just to put on as a face lotion in the morning, or some of them can be kind of oily. What is the SPF that we should have? Can you give us some understanding as you said, we should have sunscreen in our daily routine. What should we be using? What is the SPF? What, what, I know you, we don't want to give any free promo to a product, but what kind of products are you recommending that we use for that daily application? Uh, so, so great question. Sunscreen comes in uh, two flavors. Actually, before I say that, let me tell you, let me tell you this. Sunscreen is only part of a very comprehensive sun protection program. So the idea isn't to smother yourself with sunscreen and then go and lay out. A comprehensive skin care, a sun protection program includes trying to minimize exposure middle of the day. If you have a choice to picnic, don't picnic at 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. Go at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, keep covered, use those brimmed hats and those big glasses that you talked about and get a really nice long sleeve blousey shirt to cover up in the middle of the day so that you've minimized exposed skin. And now you're minimizing how much sunscreen you really need because you don't need to apply sunscreen under, uh, under clothes. So you still have your face in the back of your hands and other areas. And sometimes it's not possible. You have a child who's got an activity in the middle of the day and you're on a field and you just have to be out there. So you try to cover up and you need sunscreen. Sunscreen comes in two flavors. We have the mineral sunscreens, which are basically sunscreens that have a sunscreen filter. Those are the ingredients that do the protection called titanium um, dioxide or zinc oxide. And those are inert. They're very, really low chance to have an allergy to them. Uh, the downside is when you sweat or a lot of times when you apply them, they give you a white cast and it's not aesthetically the nicest looking sunscreen. But if you have sensitive skin or little kids, that's probably the way to go. Um, the other sunscreens, the non-mineral sunscreens, when you test the two, the truth is non-mineral sunscreens are more effective. And Consumer Reports has tested these products for years. And the non-mineral sunscreens, uh, when tested, usually test better than the mineral ones. But the non-mineral sunscreens are more allergenic, meaning people can react to them. So again, if you're using small amounts, I prefer them. I just use them on my face and the back of my hands. Um, I use them every day. I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth. I never forget to do that. And I just have my sunscreen sitting right next to my toothbrush and I put it on. Uh, and, and that's what really people need to do. The SPF should be 30 or higher. And to get that 30, you've got to apply it liberally. So regardless of what the SPF is, if you don't put on enough sunscreen, you're not going to get the amount that's on the label. So you got to put it on liberally. If you're sweating or swimming, you've got to reapply it every two hours or so. Now, a lot of people ask me, what about those moisturizers with sunscreen in it? Well, it's better than nothing. Oh, I was just, I had it in my head, Dr. Fry. I was like, I'm going to ask her, what about this moisturizer that I have on my counter? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's definitely better than nothing. But those, those are usually not what we call water resistant. 
And so they're likely not going to last as long. So I'm a firm believer in using a sunscreen, a real sunscreen that's water resistant. Why? Because most people who put it on at seven, eight in the morning aren't going to run to the little girl's room at 11, 12 o'clock and reapply. I mean, if you can, great, but life gets in the way. And I think a water resistant sunscreen just while you're living your life is uh, uh, much more effective. It will stay on. It will stay more effective uh, over the day than a moisturizer that's not water resistant. But again, they're better than nothing. So if you're doing that, uh, that's better than just using a plain moisturizer. Um, but again, my recommendation is to use a real sunscreen, a broad spectrum SPF sunscreen or 30 or higher. And what kind you use is your choice. I always say the best sunscreen is the one you'll use. Some people like a spray. Some people like a stick. Uh, some people like a lotion. And uh, you have all kinds of choices. We have uh, we have the website, Fryface website, and you people can go on there and choose whatever they like, nationally and internationally known brands. Um, it's really easy to do. And um, again, every single day, 365 days a year. Mm, yeah, because they even have the ones now where there's the like a color tint in in the moisturizer and it's got sunscreen with the moisture tint so you think you're getting the moisture up uh, you think you're getting the sunscreen plus the moisturizer hmm. the tint is nice uh, a lot of people especially my patients who have a little more color in their skin they like the tint it does take away a little bit of the white cast but they wear a white blouse they tell me it stains their blouse so they're not happy with that um so that's sort of the downsides but they're, they're a fine option if you if you can make those work for you Okay. Thank you, Dr. Fry, for that uh, entail. You guys get you get, get you some free advice. So, <laughs> Dr. Fry, you did talk about your website, Fryface, which you guys is F-R-Y-F-A-C-E, not like her name, but as in Fryface. And so you said on your website you have a lot of resources. And so I know the, the whole purpose of what you're trying to do is that, that educational information. So what are some of the common topics that people ask you to have on your website or that you speak about to educate people where you feel like there is definitely a disparity here where you guys, y'all don't know nothing about this? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I think the, the, you know, the most important information we talked about on a skincare product is the ingredient listing. The consumer doesn't understand the ingredient listing. So they look at the front panel. Now, aside from the name of what the product is and how much, which the law says has to be on the front of the product, um, the rest of the front panel is marketing. And there's all kinds of buzzwords on the front of that panel that, you know, again, it's they want market share. But the most effective buzzword, in my opinion, is the word anti-aging or anti-wrinkle. Guilty again, yes. guilty again. <laughs> They get me, Dr. Fry. They get they me. Get they us get us all, me. Holly. They get us all. And and what the consumer has to understand is, and this is this is um this is not my opinion. The way the laws are written in this country, whether a product is a cosmetic or a drug, depends on the intent of that product. And that's how the law is written. So if you make a product and you intend for that product to really treat a disease or prevent a disease or to change the structure or function of an organ. In this case, we're talking about the skin. By law, that's a drug, and it has to go through the FDA and prove safety and efficacy. Cosmetics, on the other hand, are just meant to adorn. And by adorn, it could be lipstick, it could be blush, 
It could be a moisturizer, which temporarily improves the appearance of skin just because the water has more water in it. So it's a temporary increase in water content. The skin looks a little better temporarily. But all those anti-aging products and age-defying products and anti-wrinkle products, these are cosmetics. And the, how well they work, in my opinion, is based on how well they act as a moisturizer. Now, again, I test products in the office. I have a machine, and we actually measure the water content of the skin. So I, have, I, I measure the content. Say you'd come to my office, Holly. I'd measure the water content of your skin. I'd give you two different products. Uh, your, they could be your favorite products. I'd put one on the forearm, uh, the other on the other forearm. I'd tell you to go home and do the same twice a day for a week and invite you back in, and we remeasure the wa water content of the skin. And so we know what works. And I can tell you something. There's no correlation between how much you spend and how well those products work. And all those age-defying and age-anti-wrinkle creams, these are cosmetics. And again, I think how well they work has more to do with how well they work as a moisturizer, how well they increase water content of skin. Because remember, they're not designed to get rid of your wrinkle. That's a, that's a structural change. That would be a drug. So, which is why most women, we go from product to product to product, right? We spend $10 an ounce and $30 an ounce, $100 an ounce. Here in New York City, they spend $500 an ounce. That's $8,000 a pound. Holly, can you think of any perishable you'd even consider spending $8,000 a pound on? Look, Dr. Fry, I don't need your judgment, okay? I don't need your judgment. <laughs> Look, if you can afford it and you like how it looks on your vanity, God bless you. You have every right to buy it. But don't think it's going to help your skin get rid of wrinkles. Uh, again, you don't need to do that. You, there's just no, there's no, there's no reason to think it's going to be more efficacious. It's going to get rid of your wrinkles. It just, unfortunately, that's not the case for cosmetics. So moisture is the thing that's going to help your skin the most. Hyd hydration rather than the anti-aging. Well, the anti-aging cream is a moisturizer. Remember, the skin is okay. an organ and how well it works. Um, it, you want it to be hydrated, right? You want, so you see flakes and scales, you should hydrate the skin. It will look better. It will perform better. The skin is the protection you have from the outside world, right? It protects you from bacteria and mold and fungus and, and allergens and ultraviolet light. So you want it to be well-maintained and a hydrated skin functions best. So a good moisturizer is a good idea, especially if you're dry. Um, and those anti-wrinkle creams, for the most part, are moisturizers. They do add a little, I'll call them a, a marketing tool ingredient or, a, you know, a little angel dusting of some ingredient. You, you know what they are. They're the retinols and niacinamides and vitamin E and vitamin C. And they're added in ever tiny, tiny, minuscule amounts, mostly, in my opinion, to satisfy the claim on the front of the label. These products, when you look at the first five or six ingredients, they're designed like moisturizers. Remember, these are cosmetics that by law can't really change the structure of your skin. They're not intending to, because if they did, they'd be drugs. And as drugs, they'd have to go through the FDA before they get put on the shelves. These products don't go through the FDA before they get put on the shelves, most of them. So that's that's something you asked me yeah, about. What the isn't consumer like the, what's the main active ingredient first on the list always? Water, right? Water, yep. Water's the first. It's usually about 80% water. Um, the, the next ingredient is usually a humectant, which is an ingredient that holds onto water like glycerin. Uh, hyaluronic acid is another good humectant. Everybody talks about that. I was that was my next question. I was about to say that is okay. So since you, since you segmented <laughs> into that, 
everywhere you go now, that is the key ingredient. That is what you want. That's anti-aging. That's this or that. So can you tell us exactly what, it, how do you say it? Hydraulic? Hyaluronic what acid is, is a sugar molecule type that is found in your soft tissue. And, and it's a huge molecule. It's a very large molecule. But it also happens to be one that can hold on to water. So when it's used in formulation, it acts as a good humectant, like glycerin. The problem is it's hundreds of times more expensive than glycerin. But because it's in the skin, they market it as though it's going to help the skin. The truth is it's such a large molecule when it sits on the skin. There's no way it can penetrate those 20 layers of dead cells to get into the viable skin underneath. So it's not, it's not. Those bastards, Dr. Fry, those bastards. Yeah, well, look at it. Marketing is powerful, Holly. Look at they'll do whatever they can. You know, and it's, it just, in my opinion, it raises the cost of a product. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a, you know, a second or third ingredient sometimes of an expensive ingredient. And then the next ingredient might be uh, petrolatum, you know, petroleum jelly. That's a film former occlusive that just, you know, prevents water from evaporating. Water and oil don't mix, so you have to have ingredients that mix them. We call them um, emulsifiers. So you might see satiro alcohol. And then, you know, by the time you get to the fifth or sixth ingredient, you've already covered about 95% of that product. And that angel dusting ingredient will be way down at the bottom, you know, there, that's in there to, again, in my opinion, to satisfy the claim of the product. Um, and again, these are ideas that, uh, you know, issues that consumers don't, don't understand because it's a blind item. Well, let me tell you, after we talk, I'm going to look through all of my stuff. <laughs> no, I'm going to go look of, of, of it. And you guys, she wrote a book. We're going to get into the book right at the afterwards as well. But I just wanted to ask you one more thing since you were kind of talking about that. I know one of the things that you have that one of the, the topics or tabs that you have on fryface.com is what do I really need? And so I know that uh, a lot of people, that's a thing that people sort of struggle with. What do I need? What do mm -hmm. I, what do I have? Cause I know I'm one of those people as well. So I have a face wash, but then I have a serum. And then, so then I have to do a serum and the serum goes underneath the cream. Cause the cream it has to, and then I got to do like this and let the serum dry where I'm fanning my face. And then I got to put my, so what, what exactly, what exactly do we need to be putting? I know you said sunscreen. Yes. And uh, so what exactly do we need to be applying on our skin on a daily basis? And what are the things that we need to have day versus night? So great question. The most important thing you need on your skin, as far as skincare is concerned, is sunscreen. Now, sunscreen is not a cosmetic in this country. Sunscreen is regulated as a drug, just so you know. That is, uh, you'll see drug facts on the back of a sunscreen. So the most important skincare product that everybody should be using on all exposed surfaces, which you should minimize, is sunscreen. The second most important product is also sunscreen. And the third most important product is also sunscreen. <laughs> so you can see where my heart's at, sunscreen. <laughs> the second most important one, if your skin is dry, like I said, it functions best if it's hydrated. So moisturize, use a moisturizer. You can forget everything else. I'm going to make it really simple for you. An eye cream, a night cream, a day cream, a night, you just, eye cream. You know, let's talk about the night cream thing. Holly, these night creams are, are, they're formulated with the same ingredients as the day cream, except they have no sunscreen in them. And sometimes they're a little thicker. I agree, a little less water in them. 
but if you if you can't put a product here you shouldn't be putting it here right if you shouldn't put it right near your eye you shouldn't put it right high on your cheekbone a night cream makes no sense the ingredients don't know the time of day and i always joke if you work the night shift do you need a day cream i mean the, the creams don't know the difference you don't need an eye cream uh you don't need an eye cream you don't need a neck cream you need a good body moisturizer that's what you need and and you know what else you need you need to take care of yourself and this is not the sexy answer i, I don't mean to offend your listeners it's not the easy answer it's not the quick fix but you need good nights of sleep and you need a good healthy diet and you need some exercise and there's so much science in the literature to prove those three things now i'm a firm believer that you also need laughter i don't have that much science to prove it but i am a firm believer that a good laugh at yourself just a good joke is good for you a good healthy body the skin is an organ and it will parallel a good body will optimize your skin health a good mindset but for skincare per se sunscreen and a moisturizer and everything else you know what save your money save your money take out a good friend to dinner donate to your favorite charity buy yourself a pair of shoes you know enjoy yourself but you do not need to be spending money on on uh, on all these products okay so this i'm gonna this is my last question i'm gonna ask so now retinol is a huge thing everyone's like slather on retinol at night that should be your go-to at night do it at night before you go to sleep so retinol is also not going to help me well remember the retinol is put in into cosmetics cosmetics are not designed to change the structure or function of your skin they add a tiny bit of retinol am i saying it's doing absolutely nothing no but is it a significant enough difference to pay for that product not in my opinion the parent compound to retinol is called retinaldehyde. That parent is called tretinoin. That's a prescription. When you use a prescription retinoid, retinoid like tretinoin, which is the parent's parent of retinol, I think women, about 10% get a moderate improvement. 90% of uh, people on the studies on the in- package insert, these are drugs, remember, got no improvement or, um, or even got worse. And on the studies, women, darker skinned, darker skinned women did even worse than that. So uh, and this is in the prescription product. I have never seen anyone with retinol um, get rid of a wrinkle. I've never seen it. Um, the way they work, in my opinion, if they're a good product, in my, in my opinion, based on my testing, it's because they're a good moisturizer. So I don't think you need to spend the money. The other problem with retinol, it is a little sun sensitizing. And if you're putting it on your face, you really better be wearing sunscreen because you're actually increasing the sensitivity of your of your skin to sunlight, which is going to do more harm than good. So, and let me ask you this because I so I have my skin tone is is kind of in the middle. So I don't have where I have a dark skin tone, but then I don't have the fair skin tone as well. So a lot of times they come when I do stuff, they compare me or they give me examples for Mediterranean. Everything is Mediterranean, Mediterranean. Uh, when I went to Greece, they did think I was a Grecian goddess. So <laughs> I, I might, I might have a chance. I could be Mediterranean. I'm call you Cleopatra. <laughs> right, right. But so, so what, what, what do you talk to? Cause I know that you see people of all races that come in and all skin tones. So is there a, a differentiation between products that maybe a fair or white woman would use compared to maybe a darker skin or even someone mm-hmm. of my skin tone and darker? Are there different skin routines or skin products you would recommend for us? 
Well, again, we talk about the sunscreen. My patients with darker skin don't like that white cast. So they may not like a sunscreen that I would use. I'm very fair. Um, folks who make a lot of pigment or are darker, the problem is when they get inflamed, they leave pigment behind and they leave a little post-inflammatory pigment. So it's important that my patients who have darker complexions don't get inflamed. So you have to be really careful using retinol and some of those ingredients, the acids that make you inflamed. Because if you get inflamed, when the inflammation goes away, you get a little dark spot. That dark spot takes a long time to go away. People who have a lot of pigment make a lot of pigment with inflammation. So I tell them to lay off some of the ingredients that might cause inflammation, like retinol. And that's sort of the biggest distinction between fair, fair people and less, you know, darker skin people. It's how much pigment they have and how much pigment they will leave behind if they're inflamed. Um, but as far as how well the moisturizers work, the same. The same in, in, in regardless of the skin tone skin color. Mm, okay. So that makes sense. That, that kind of answers, I guess, uh, I see a lot of stuff about the, um, discoloration serums and things like that, but I see, I see that makes sense because I wanted to go, I'm going to let you talk about your book after this, Dr. Fry, I promise, but I wanted to get a uh, CO2 under my eyes. Cause this is the big thing. All the housewives are doing it. I was like, man, I want to get that CO2. They go in there and it's gone. And so I went to a, a surgeon's office, a plastic surgeon's office. And she was like, listen, I'll be honest with you. Let me, I'm looking at how you scar and, and th this is not for you. You know, this is for, light skin, fair people, you have a skin tone where if we do it under your eye, the chance of you actually having now raccoon eyes mm -hmm. is big because once that skin comes back, it can come back darker or it can come back white. Either way, it ain't for you. You know <laughs> so, what? Kudos to, that, kudos to that dermatologist because they're absolutely right. Um, and sometimes with darker skinned individuals, less is more. And I give her a lot of credit. She's absolutely right. And I, that goes with some of the ingredients in some of these anti-aging products, some of the acids, the retinols, um, some of the essential oils that some of them use that get allergic. Again, anything that could elicit an inflammation could leave you either hyperpigmented and darker or lighter. And it's not a pretty look for them. And it's not easy to treat. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was hurt because I thought I was about to look 20 again. <laughs> and she was like, not today, not today. <laughs> not today. So I was like, mm. she was like, just, you need something maybe that just brightens your skin. And I was like, you know what? Never mind. You just crushed all my dreams. I, I don't even want nothing. Cleopatra, uh, you look wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Dr. Fry, let's talk about your book because that's a huge thing. You go on all these platforms talking about this book, the skincare hoax, how you're being tricked into buying lotions, potions, and wrinkle creams. So I know we kind of got some of the free, <laughs> free stuff from the book, but give us some insight into how you actually wrote this book, what the book entails, what was the process for the book? And if I buy the book, what do you want me to take home from reading that book? No, great question. So again, I'm a consumer advocate. I love this industry and it makes good products. We just talked about a bunch of them, but they they advocate for their shareholders. So if there's an ingredient that's deemed dirty, we'll use parabens, for example. And I don't agree with this philosophy, but we want paraben free. It's a preservative. Any water-based product has to have a preservative in it. 
Um, the consumer wants paraben free, um, but they don't know that that's a preservative and they take out the paraben, they're putting in a different preservative, which might not be as well tested. So the skincare industry will actually make a product that might not be as safe or as effective just because the consumer doesn't want it. So we have a skincare industry that's advocating for its shareholders and they want market share. We have consumers who want the hope and dreams of looking better, but they don't understand what's in the products. And no one's advocating for the consumer. Media is great. It's been more than gracious to me, but they want ad dollars and ratings. So they'll sell sensational headlines that aren't necessarily accurate. So the consumer is not being, um, you know, nobody's advocating for the consumer. And that's why I wrote the book. Uh, and it's full of, you know, it's an expose on the marketing tactics that get us all to buy these products. My goal is to make consumers really mindful. Holly, I don't sell anything. I don't work for um, a company. I don't care what people buy. They can buy the most expensive or the least. I just want them to be mindful and know that you can spend money, but it's not going to do a better job. You don't need all these products. If you like them and you have the money and you want to spend them, you have every right to purchase them, but it's not going to make you healthier. All these products and all these procedures, I think a lot of women think if they look different, they'll be happier. And I think after decades of studies with psychologists and sociologists, which I am neither of those things, so I don't pretend to be, um, I think the study shows that happiness isn't gotten from your physical um, attributes. It's really gotten from the value of your interpersonal relationships, including that with yourself. And I think you would take this time, energy, and money and put it towards building relationships. I always say too many women are facing the mirror and not facing the world. And that's the underlining pinnings of the book. Again, I want to make you a mindful consumer, learn to love yourself for who you are, realize happiness is not gotten from a syringe. And that's why women, they go from procedure to procedure, from product to product to product. What are they searching for? Right? What are we searching for? All of us. So again, face the world. Don't face the mirror so much. And again, there's nothing wrong with in looking good and, and, and taking pride in how you look or the creativity of hair and makeup. I think that's all fantastic. It's a matter of a balance. And I think too many women, certainly my patients, the balance is tilted more not in a healthy way. And I just want women to value themselves and have their self-worth for who they are, not so much for these trivial, certainly skin flaws that uh, our culture has deemed, um, you know, inappropriate. I love that, Dr. Fry. And, and my sort of my mission with my show is I want to empower people and I want to educate people. And I want, I talk about mental health, financial health, physical health, and, and, and how that all equates to us being healthy in general. Mm -hmm. But I also want people to feel empowered and educated after they listen to one of my shows. And I definitely love everything that you said about that, because not only are you talking about physical attributes, mm -hmm. but you're definitely helping people with that mental part as well. How can we empower ourselves where we feel more confident? What are some of the things that we need to do to make sure that we are not just feeling like, our physical appearance is what defines us as a person. So I love all of that, Dr. Fry. Oh, you're that. so okay. sweet. You should write a book and have a website. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thank you. 
Um, so again, thank you so much for all of that information. And how can people find you, support you? How can they find your book? How can they stalk your page and get some <laughs> of this information for free? Yes. So how can people, or, or even like you said, you, you actually have a practice. So how can people find you? Drop all that information, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, well, the website's a great start. Uh, Fryface, F-R-Y-F-A-C-E. We have a contact us page there. There's information about the book, which is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target, Walmart, wherever, hopefully wherever books are sold. And um, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. People can find me on LinkedIn. I, I reach a lot of great people uh, on LinkedIn, which has really been a helpful um, you know, platform for me. And uh, my practice is in West Nyack, New York, which is just uh, north of New York City. And um, it's uh, it's been quite a ride. I've met so many phenomenal people. I'm more grateful than than you know. And again, I just, you know, I'll leave you with this, Holly, the important things that matter, you know, kindness matters and, and health matters and accomplishments matter. And none of those things comes in a jar or a tube or a syringe. And, and I just hope women can, can remember that. I do. Well, I took a mental note and now I'm about to use that. And I'm also going to make my daughter listen to this show as well, because I think it's so important that not only us as the demographic that we're talking about with the face lotions and, and wrinkles and anti-aging, but also what we're leaving for the younger generation as well, because so much with social media and comparison and filters and the people, I'm always like, they don't even look like that. That's not even their, you know, <laughs> so you're comparing yourself to stuff that's not even realistic. So I definitely love that you are doing this. You are being a voice for women of all the lifespan. I love that. And then all also for no matter what the ethnicity is and the demographics. And I think that even men, because a lot of men are starting to feel that pressure too now of, of aging. Now you're starting to see more plastic surgeons posting men getting facelifts and neck lifts and eye Botox and whatever. So men feel free to use some of these valuable tools as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, thank you for all right. what you're doing. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that is Dr. Fane Fry. You guys, you can find her at fryface, F-R-Y-F-A-C-E.com. And then also all of her information will be tagged in the podcast notes. So you can have clickable links there. You can go straight to her LinkedIn, straight to her, um, her uh, website, all of that great stuff. So thank you, Dr. Fry. Thanks for having me, Holly. Stay well.